the background text for preaching this morning is Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I met Ida Strobel when she was 90 years of age. I was 26 years of age. I was fresh out of seminary. And Ida was a member of the, of the smaller church on the two-church charge I was assigned to in uh, Upper Lycoming County. It's interesting uh, how churches describe themselves. Uh, one church described itself as the big church. They had 250 members. Uh, Ida was a member of the small church. They had 50 members. Ida was the kind of lady that when you met her, you immediately noticed how vivacious she was. And as you got to know her, you realized that she was a woman with vision. And she had a sense of victory about her life. She lived in a nondescript little house by the roadside at the foot of the mountain in the very picturesque Rose Valley there in Lycoming County. Ida and her husband had raised their family, and after they were raised and gone, she believed that she needed to put her faith to work, and she needed to do something very special. And you remember I described her as a woman who was vivacious, who had vision, and, ha and, uh, and radiated just a sense of victory about her. So she decided that she would open her house for foster care. I met Ida when she was 90. She had her 40th foster child at age 90. Now listen to this. The foster child was a teenage girl. And... Uh, she wasn't so sure about having to follow Ida's rules and, and expectations. And yet, the longer I observed them, I realized that she, like so many teenagers, wanted rules and regulations. It just wasn't cool to show that you wanted them. And Ida would always bring her to church and under the ministry of Bible preaching, and, and we saw that young woman's life change and how, how she wept when she was moved on from Ida's home because there she found a love that really cared, a love that insisted on a lifestyle that was, was moral and clean. Ida was a wonderful lady. She personified the word of God that 
was presented by the Apostle Paul and James, the the half-brother of Jesus, those men agreed that profession of faith without practice is not genuine faith. Profession of faith without practice is not genuine faith. Now, I'm going to be showing you from the scriptures throughout the morning how that's true, so don't get ready to throw your shoes at me. It really is an important doctrine for us to understand and know this doctrine of faith and works. It's a vital, vital combination. Ida believed the word of God and she lived it. I remember the first time I was in that little house by the roadside. Our visit was coming to an end and she rose from her chair. She's a little woman about four feet, five inches tall. And she rose from her chair and walked over and took from another table a large family Bible. And she brought it over and laid it in my lap. And I wasn't quite sure what was taking place. I didn't know if she wanted to, to show me the, you know, genealogy, you know, the kinds of things that family Bibles contain. It's, it's quite voluminous. <clears throat> and she said, when my pastor comes to visit me, there are two things that I always want him to do. I want him to read to me from my family Bible. And I want him to pray with me. So every visit that I went to Ida's house, I read from her family Bible, and she always knew what she wanted me to read. And I prayed with Ida. Now this morning, we're taking a look at the doctrine of faith and works. It's an important one. It's not one that we really focus on and talk enough about. As United Methodists, we believe that good works are the necessary fruits of faith. As United Methodists, we believe that good works are the necessary fruits of faith. But we understand from God's word that good works do not save us. They originate from our faith in God, but they do not, they do not secure a better standing before God. <clears throat> Throughout Lent, we are using exclusively the Apostles' Creed. We're reciting it, and then we're singing it. And it's great to hear you sing that. It, it has a melody that, that, that stays with you, and it, it catches on. And each week, we become stronger as we, as we sing those words. But in addition to the Apostles' Creed, we have in the rear of our hymnals a collection of creeds. You know that. One of those that we use from time to time uh, was written by the United Methodist Church or the former Methodist Church. And uh, it's a good statement of faith. I just don't like the title of it. It's called a modern affirmation. But it's a good statement of faith. And it points out that God is Father 
Son, and Holy Spirit, that he is the triune God. And after, after those statements of belief about God as Father and God as Son and God as Holy Spirit uh, are made, then the modern affirmation concludes with these words. And as I speak them, I know that they're going to come back in your memory. We believe that this faith should manifest itself in the service of love as set forth in the example of our blessed Lord to the end that the kingdom of God may come upon the earth. That will line up in parallel form with a prayer which you have prayed since you were kids. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now as we make those statements of faith in our worship, as we sing our songs, we must be on guard. We must be alert every time that we worship, every time that we are in this beautiful sanctuary for a time of worship or, or a, a prayer session like we had the other week for our community and our nation and our, and our world. Every time that we are here, we must be very careful that we do not allow the emotions that rise in worship to overshadow everything else. We must be very careful that we don't allow our worship songs and our acts of praise our prayers, and our preaching to not be put into action. This sacred time that we are here together, Lord's Day after Lord's Day, must not just be an emotional jag for us. It cannot be just a stroke to make us feel good. What we do here must end in action. We, were, <clears throat> we read the scriptures and we, we see that worship must conclude and mission begin if we're truly the church of Jesus Christ. What we do here in worship must be turned into the stuff of life. Biblical principles we preach and teach should become actions, not just kindly devotional thoughts that we hold on to. And after we pray, whether it be here or anywhere, after we pray, our prayers should become our efforts. We don't just pray and dump it in God's lap. We walk the prayer. We live the prayer. We walk through the words of those prayers so that God can bless us. We don't pray and then move on. We keep the prayer with us and we live in that and we walk in that. Now you heard the, the, the great word of Paul to the Ephesians about good works. There is a classical portion of the word that's found in the letter of James. It's the second in the second chapter of James where a great statement about faith and works is made. And we're going to turn there now. You, you would serve yourself well if you turn there in your Bible, but if you 
don't want to do that, then watch the screen. We're going to show it to you. And we're going to begin in chapter 2 at verse 14 and read to the 20th verse. Here's what James said. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is it? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? James, as we would say, hit the nail on the head. Clothes protect the body. Food fuels the body. But the sincerest expression of sympathy to someone who needs clothes and whose stomach needs food is not helpful. There is an effort that is needed to eliminate the plight of people. Yes, 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 pray. Pray for the needs of people, but put effort in your prayers. If a man asks for food, James says, what will you give him? Will you give him a pat on the back and say, well, I, I sure hope your situation soon changes. I'll pray for you. Will you do that? What use is sympathy without practical care? That's what James is saying. What use is sympathy without practical care? We get many requests here at the church, and we, we have a, an emergency fund to, to help people who ask us for assistance. We will not give money because we want to be sure that the, the request that was voiced is met. But when someone tells us they're hungry, we feed them. When someone tells us that they need housing, we house them. There's a signboard out front that has our name on it. There is a building that is distinctive by its architecture that says this is a church. There is a Bible that we carry that tells us what we are to do and be in times of people's need. I've discovered across the years that, unfortunately, too many Christians 
just don't want to be inconvenienced. They just don't want to be inconvenienced. They don't want to be bothered with somebody who, who needs a coat. They don't want to be bothered with, with people who, who aren't as clean as they are. You have no idea. And I, I am not trying to be funny. But you have no idea how many cans of room deodorizer I have used up in my office. You don't have any idea how many times on the coldest of winter days I have thrown open the windows and doors in my office after having met with people in need. James says, don't use holy words. Don't offer people your sympathy who don't have a coat, who don't have food, who don't have a house. Do something. I've told the staff, I've trained the staff that if we are going to be made fools of, if somebody is running a scam and we don't detect it, then I'm willing to be made a fool of for Jesus' sake. If we err, we're going to err on the side of grace, not on the side of condemnation and judgment. Well, James goes on and he says that faith is not real until it moves us to action. So we pick this passage up, James 2, at verse 21. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? Interesting question. Yeah, he was. But... He lived by faith many years before he offered Isaac. He was a man justified before God before he ever put Isaac on that altar. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize... <clears throat> you, let me... <laughs> Let's go to verse 22. I jumped up to verse 21. I really didn't do it. My glasses did. <laughs> the last seven weeks, my wife and I have been to a doctor six times. Not because we're sick, just because we're getting old. And we have to get things checked. And one of the things was my eyes. So I'm getting used to new lenses again. So where did I tell you we were going to start? <laughs> Way to go. You got it. Okay. Okay, 21, we're starting at 21. I'm going to read that again, and then we're going to continue, I promise. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. Don't miss that. As a result of the works, faith was perfected. 
And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteous, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. James is saying, Paul is in agreement with him. Faith and works are inseparable. Faith and works are inseparable. Without faith, Abraham would not have answered God's call. He would not have done what God asked him to do. If you want to have ongoing experience with God, if, if you want your Christian life to come alive, to be exciting, to give you something to, to look forward to other than just another Sunday morning and worship, then you need to understand that to have experience with God requires the action of a faith that is alive. True worship. True worship always concludes with the people of God going into mission, putting their faith at work. True worship is so much more than rituals and forms. True worship, I got to tell you, is not about where you sit in this sanctuary. It's not about whether you have a bulletin that looks like the Sunday morning paper or now a single piece of paper, which, by the way, is saving us much, much money. True worship is not about those superficial things that the devil wants us to make more important than the worship of God. True worship is about acknowledging God for his worth and then going out of that experience to live the faith in an active kind of way as we minister in the love of God to others. When you come to the, the chancel rail for communion, I, I dismiss each table with verses of Scripture or, or words that are, are appropriate to the sermon that has preceded the Scripture. But nearly always, in almost every case, I conclude my comment to each table with these words, arise and go in peace, and God's peace attend you. That is one of the most ancient Christian dismissals for an assembled body of believers in Christ. Arise and go in peace, and the peace of God attend you.
good works cannot produce salvation. Good works cannot produce salvation, but, but they are inseparable from our sanctification. What we talked about last Sunday morning, that that when we are justified by faith alone in Christ, at that moment we are sanctified. God sets us apart for his exclusive use. That's positional sanctification. And then I talked to you about progressive sanctification. Ah, the going on, the moving on to maturity and development and, and perfection in Christ. Here's where the works come in. The works are inseparable from our sanctification, are being set apart for holiness And they are the fruits, they are the fruits by which God is glorified in you for having given you his Savior's Son. Paul's letter to the Galatians is filled with a list of the fruits of the Spirit. You know what they are. Let me remind you. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know that in York City and, and, the, and its surrounding suburban area, there are 6,000 plus United Methodists. That's just United Methodist Christians. That's not talking about the Presbyterians or the Episcopalians or the, the Baptists or the Brethren or the non-denominationalists. Not talking about any of those. I'm just telling you that there are more than 6,000 of us who call ourselves United Methodist Christians in the city of York and the surrounding suburban area. Now, if faith was at work in 6,000 United Methodist Christians, what do you suppose York would be like? Dwight L. Moody founded what was first known as the uh, Chicago School of Evangelism. Today it's known as Moody Bible Institute. Moody said, Workless faith God never regards. Faithless work God never rewards. We're studying doctrines of United Methodism. We need to understand that doctrines are for doing. Doctrines are for doing. They are action statements packed with possibilities for the people who belong to the kingdom of God. In one of his books, I don't remember the title of the book, I think it's uh, what matters most, but I'm not certain. Dr. Tony Evans, in his inimitable style, wrote, 
for most Christians, there's too much love talk. For most Christians, there is too much love talk and not enough love walk. If we hear the truth of God, but it does not change what we do, then we have not learned that the truth energizes action. God blessed us with salvation. God blessed us with salvation. Now listen carefully, follow this with me. And by our salvation, God has glorified himself. You're not, I'm not glorified in salvation. God is glorified in our salvation. He glorifies himself in our salvation for for bestowing grace upon us that is endless and limitless. So how we live our faith with works glorifies and thanks God for our salvation in Christ. I want you to know that I hope in, in the best kind of way, not, in a, not in, a, in a boastful way, although it gives me pleasure when I have opportunity to, to, to speak about the, the strength that is in this church. Uh, but I want you to know how proud I am of, of your social concerns and your, your mission consciousness. I'm very proud of you as in individuals. Every now and then I, I, I get stories of what, of what you are doing very quietly, but most definitely as God's women and men. Someone will say to me, do you know what so-and-so did? And I love to hear those stories about how you have done something and then just disappeared. You've done good and disappeared. You didn't do it for recognition, but you put your faith to work. But then this congregation is, is putting faith to work in so many different kinds of ways. And I grant you there are many more that, that we can invest ourselves in, but, but let, me just, let me just list a few for you. Let me remind you of what they are. I celebrate you in these things. How you continue to, <clears throat> to gather and, and, and sort goods, shoes, clothing, for Mission Central, how you make deliveries to Mission Central of, 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 of clothes and shoes and, and uh, worn-out electronics that <clears throat> men there refurbish and, and send off to, to mission areas. Uh, 
I probably shouldn't try to quote this, but I think the last report out of Mission Central is that, is that more than 5,000 computers and related electronics have been sent into the mission field, sent to, to Christian schools in remote areas for uh, boys and girls uh, to have that opportunity. Those, those are wonderful things. <clears throat> what you heard about the United Methodist Committee on Relief and how you've responded uh, to that. And if, if you weren't ready to do that this morning, you have the rest of the month. You can do that through our church or in the way that David suggested uh, as an alternative. In our vacation Bible school, <clears throat> our Bible school is five days. We challenge the children to bring in food for the South Central Pennsylvania Food Bank, and they fill several barrels with non-perishable food items, and then we ask them to, to bring in money for missions, and we challenge them by saying that if, if you will give your offering, however much money the Bible school gives, our church will double that. Year after year, from our Bible school and with, with the backing of the church, we give thousands of dollars to missions from Bible school. Local kitchens and food banks benefit from your gathering. Clothing drives are something that we participate in frequently here. Our young people every summer go into the inner city of York for a week-long mission project. And then some of you get together and prepare food for our kids and all the other kids that are part of that, that mission enterprise. And you, you go in there and, and work in that kitchen and you serve those, those kids that food. There are so many other things that I can talk to you about. Many of you have been part of, of mission trips to, to foreign areas to, to help children that are deaf. And you've gone into other areas uh, one, of our, one of our members goes once, twice a year and doesn't say a word to any of us about it, just does it. You're doing those kinds of things. Habitat for Humanity is where some of you have spent time. Volunteers and mission projects to, to help other United Methodist churches with, with projects that need to be done on their properties. You've done those. And the auction for missions that we started and is, and is coming up and you ought to get, get started planning for has been such a great thing. Uh, our, one of the things that <clears throat> I saw when I came as your pastor was that <clears throat> you had a lot of a lot of concern for missions, a lot of concern for putting your faith at work, but, but some of the things that, that you were doing, was spe you were spending so much time and effort and not realizing hardly any profit. You, you know, work for a couple days on a sandwich sale and maybe make $200. Or candy sales and maybe make $300. And, and in today's economy, a couple hundred dollars, it means a lot to me or you, but to a mission enterprise, it's, it's very little. 
So we introduced the auction for missions. And now our whole, the, the major part of our mission budget is financed from auction for missions. You really ought to get involved in that. It's an opportunity where, where you can uh, put up things like, like parties and dinners and, and trips and, and uh, kids do car washes and lawn mowing and things. And you bid on those at the auction. The church gets the money. You provide the service or the dinner or the picnic or the party. You get together with other members of the church. And in just two hours, we raise thousands of dollars, four, five, six thousand dollars. Let's really think about that and push that this year. The date of that auction is in today's worship folder. You can plan on it and, and make that a, a big night, a night of victory where, where we develop resources and fellowship where we can finance our faith at work and put our faith at work. It's all so, so important. John Perkins was a black man in Mississippi many years ago, and he paid a big price for the color of his skin. He was beaten many times and, and once nearly to death. But he was a man in Christ, and he did not allow that mistreatment to change his perspective on life. John Perkins wrote a book entitled Let Justice Roll Down. One of the things that leaps out of that book for me is this statement that he made. Relentless hope and limitless love can be born in the hearts of those who follow Jesus. A man who was beaten because he was the wrong color. How many times was Paul shipwrecked? How many times was he lashed? Yet he wrote the letter from which I preached this morning about you continuing on and expressing your faith in your works. John Perkins said, Relentless hope and limitless love can be born in the hearts of those who follow Jesus. Now, I want to say just a couple of things, and then I'm finished. For those of you who are listening to this sermon, and because of physical condition, physical limitation, can, can no longer be part of a, of a strong thrust away from the church and, and be out in the community, there is, there is a work that we need you to do for us. There is a work that we need you to do because of your faith. And the work that I would ask you to do is to give us your prayers. I mean, block out a period of the day and pray for our work. Pray for our faith to be manifest in the works that we do. Your prayers to strengthen and support our faith and works is so vitally important. Pray for us here at Yorkshire and pray for the servants of the Savior throughout the world. You can do that. You can do that whatever your condition, wherever you live. So as we unfold the scriptures, as we read the words of of Paul, as we study the passage from James, 
as you think about those who have who have have we've lived with and worked with who had a, a vision of a vital faith touching many lives we can see that God's plan for increasing our joy in Christ is to put faith with works. God's plan for making your Christian experience more exciting is for you to put works with your faith. It brings a lot of life to these affirmations and these songs that we sing and our being together. It means being people of the kingdom. Workers together with the Father whose goal, whose purpose is to bring about the kingdom on earth and make disciples of Jesus Christ. You think about that. You think about your faith and where it is that you need to put it to work. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, it is a clear and compelling word that Paul and James and many of our contemporaries have displayed before us that faith becomes more vibrant and dynamic, more purposeful and powerful when it is put to work. So, Father, here in the ministries of Yorkshire Church and in our personal encounters, in our neighborhoods, in the places where we go to school, where we work, across the miles that we travel, in whatever circumstance and situation we find ourselves. May that which we have proclaimed again and again in holy worship be manifest in holy work to your exclusive glory in Christ we pray. Amen.